Hey, listen, so at the end of every year, the seniors do something. They do something called senior superlatives. You guys know what a senior superlative is? Like in the yearbook? Oh, don't make you answer. You just know. Okay. So senior superlative are like, hey, so who in this class or this group of people is the most, and then you fill in the blank, like whatever it is. And there are different things you see in the yearbook, right? Like most athletic, right? Or how about like the best hair in the class, the best musician or best smile, maybe the funniest one with the best personality, or how about the most intelligent one? Like, and so you try to like figure out who in your class has these like qualities that's better than everybody else. It's like the thing that distinguishes them, makes them different from each person. You know what mine was when I graduated? The biggest teacher's pet, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you don't want to be known as the teacher's pet, right? But I was like the dude who sucked up to all my teachers and like I was always trying to, anyway, you get the point, right? That's not what I wanted to be known as, but that's what I was known as in my group. So I don't know, what about like your group? What do you think tonight? Like how many of you think that you would be like in this room, you're the most athletic? Anybody like you would qualify? Oh, all the hands, oh, there's such confidence in the room. There's our athletes, right? How about the best smile in the room? How many of you think you have the best smile? Like you'd qualify, there's some smiles. Let me see it. Everybody smile at me. Let me see. All right. There's some scary smiles. And then there's some more right ones. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> how about, how about who gets the best grades in the room? I want to, who are the best grade people? Yes. Yes. Study hard. Nice. All right. How about, how about this? Who do you think in this room is the most outgoing person in the room? <laughs> Everybody's like pointing at Paul and Logan are like getting all the points right now. Like Paul and Logan, we should have an, an outgoing show off, right? Like right now, like who's going to win? Who's going to win? All right. So what if, what if we bring it serious for a second? Because the passage that we're going to study tonight, James kind of does this. He asks us that question, kind of like what I'm doing right now. And he asks us a superlative, but he doesn't ask about your smile or your personality or any of that. What if I were to ask you tonight, who in the room, and don't answer this one, all right? Who in the room is the wisest person in this room, not just the oldest, because that doesn't make you the wisest necessarily, right? But the wisest person in the room. Think about it for a second. Just let it percolate. Let it percolate. Would you be that person? I wonder. Would everybody be like, oh yeah, this kid in my class, or this person in Firehouse, like they are definitely wise. Like they're in tune with the Lord. Like this person is a wise person. Or is that like the farthest thing from your mind? You ever thought about it before? I wonder if wisdom ever has ever been a thing that you've actually desired to have. Because of all the things that are cool to have, right? Like wisdom probably didn't make your list, I'm guessing. Maybe some of you, right? I see you if that's you. But for a lot of us, it probably didn't make our list. It's probably the first time someone's asked you, hey, would you be the wisest person in this room tonight? You know, like, are you a wise person? And so James wants us to dig into that as we continue our series tonight in the book of James called Asking for a Friend, we're talking about like, hey, how do I live a life for Jesus? What does the Christian life look like? And wisdom is a really important part of being a Christian and living like Jesus. So read with me. We're in James chapter 3 tonight, verses 13 to 18. It says this, who is wise and understanding among you? There he goes. He asked the question. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, 
demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So start with me with that question, right? The one we just talked about. As James looks at us, and he's looking at a room probably kind of like this, and it's full of people, and he's like, hey, listen, I got a question for you. Who's the wisest among you? What if I were to literally want an answer tonight to that question from this group? Would it be awkward for us? Would it be weird to try to have to figure out, like, do I even know what being wise looks like? Could you answer that? Could you describe wisdom? If I were like, hey, are you a wise person? Would you be able to go, okay, so wisdom's this, right? I know that wisdom are these things, so yeah, I can kind of like match up. Or would you have no clue how to even respond because you couldn't define wisdom? And so James wants us to be able to answer this question. He's not just asking it so that we feel ashamed. But I bet as he asked it in his room, there were people like over here. Let's imagine like there's a group over here in the corner that kind of backed away a little bit and hung their heads and did one of these and tried to get in the shadows as I'm walking right into a light, right? Like, but they tried to find a dark corner so James couldn't see them because they didn't want to have to answer the question. They didn't know what wisdom was. They had no clue. They were embarrassed about it. And maybe there's some of us here tonight that are like that. We're like, man, I don't have an answer. And wisdom's supposed to be this really important thing for a Christian, but I don't even know what it is, Rob. That's why we're doing this series, right? I'm just asking for a friend, like, because sometimes we're embarrassed to even ask the question. We don't have to be embarrassed in this place. That's what this is for, right? We can ask those questions. We have the freedom to say, I just don't know, but I want to leave here and know. And that's what we're going to do tonight. So maybe there was a group like that, but maybe there was a group also that kind of had that swollen chest, like, yeah, that's me. I'm wise. You know, I wanted everybody to see them. There's like this pride in them of like how wise they were. And they could like dangle it over everybody else's head. Like, oh, I'm definitely the wisest one in the room. Like you athletes who immediately like, yeah, that's me. I'm the best athlete. Maybe there was a group like that. They're over here just chilling, like full of pride immediately. Thinking they're super wise. And they have all this wisdom and intelligence and knowledge and other things to like benefit the world. And maybe there was a group, too, that said, hey, they were just humble. There's a group maybe in the back that just stood there, and they didn't have to swell their chest up. Their heads didn't get big with pride, and they weren't, like, ducking either, though. They were, like, just humbly standing there. There was humility in their hearts because they were like, listen, I, I think I'm wise, but, like, I know I have so much to learn. I know I haven't arrived yet. I'm not, like, this know-it-all. I'm not, like, perfect, and I don't need to, to grow. They're like, but... There's a humility that said, I'm still learning, and I want to keep learning. That's where I hope we can be tonight. That's the group I hope we can all fall into tonight before we leave. A group that says humbly, like, I, I don't think I struggle with wisdom, but I really want to know more about it. I want to grow. I want to mature. I want to know more about who God is. Like, that's the group I hope we would fall into with this open heart, willing to say, God, make me wise, right? And so he asked that question, and here's some, a bunch of responses, but the next thing he says is this. By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. 
You see that word meekness? We don't use that often. Like you probably don't describe your friend as like the most meek person, you know, like, hey, this is John. He's super meek. You're going to love him. Like we don't use that. But meek, we do use another word called humble. It just means like humility. And so James is telling us that if we have wisdom, let it, we should show it through humility. A wise person, what just kind of like flows out of them naturally because they're wise is a humility that says, I don't have to hang this over everybody's head. Humble enough to know that I still have a whole lot to learn and a whole lot of room to grow. And that demonstrates wisdom. It doesn't make you less. Sometimes it does make you feel like, hey, if I act like this, then people are gonna think I'm just this lowly person and they're gonna just walk all over me. But that's actually not the case, James said. The opposite happens and what it feels like would happen. When you're humble, people notice that. When you're humble, it has a different effect. It causes people to look at you with these eyes like, wow, that person's, that person's like got some stuff figured out. Like there's some wisdom in that person because they don't have to brag about it and walk around and boast and make everybody feel little when they're coming in the room. Like this person has got something figured out. That's what wisdom does. This humility flows out of being a wise person. They go hand in hand. It says, by his good conduct, let him show his works through the humility of wisdom. So as you're humble, you know what that does? It causes you to love people and put other people first. And as you serve and love other people around you, right, and try to lift them up instead of push them down and make them feel real small so you can feel like a big tough guy, you know what it does? It causes people to go, whoa, this person has something figured out here. They're different. They're showing love that I don't even know if I, like, deserve right now. They're, like, serving me in ways, like, I definitely don't deserve. Like, what's happening? But the wisdom and that humility in your heart causes you to love and serve other people. It shows that good conduct to others, and they can see the wisdom in you. It's this confidence. It says, I don't need to try to shove it down your throat and prove to you that I'm better than you. I can actually serve you and love you and lift you up. James says, that's wisdom. That's the wisdom we should be chasing after. You know, in other words, what it means is it's pretty obvious if you're wise or just prideful. It's pretty obvious the second you walk in a room if you're full of wisdom or if you're full of pride. People can tell the difference. I'm sure you can tell the difference when you have that friend or that person that comes around. And you know the attitude, you know what it looks like and sounds like and smells like. When they come in the room, you're like, this person is either super wise. Or immediately you know this person is definitely just arrogant. (laughs) They're so full of themselves and it's just pride. It's not wisdom. They just want me to think they're really smart. It's really obvious, James says. And then he says this, but if you have bitter jealousy or selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast and be false to the truth. You see, sometimes we want to like, we want to fake it, you know? You fake it till you make it type deal where you just want to come in and just act like you got things figured out because you want people to think good about you. You want the pat on the back. You want people to have a good like thought in their mind when they think your name or they think about who you are. You want them to think well of you and so you kind of fake it. When really inside, sometimes there's just jealousy in there. Have you ever experienced that? Where you see someone else has something or can do something that you really wish you could do or you could have? And so your heart fills up with jealousy? Like, man, I really wish I was like that. And instead of like humbly loving and serving that person, you begin to become bitter. 
right? You just look at them and you're like, man, I want that thing. It's not fair. And you start to have this conversation with yourself in your head and get angry. And that's what James is saying. If you have bitter jealousy, these roots of jealousy in your heart over other people, and this selfish ambition, like, why don't I have, see the selfishness? Why don't I have what they have? All of a sudden, he says, what happens is it just takes over your heart. So the best thing you can do in that moment, James says, is he's, don't boast about it and just be false to the truth. Don't act like you're wise as a way to push other people down. And now you're just living a lie. It's not worth it. There's no value in that. And you're really not fooling anybody else anyway in the process. As a matter of fact, in Philippians 2, Paul tells us, he talks about Jesus and he says, I want you to have the mind of Jesus. And he talks about him. He's like, let me describe to you what Jesus' mind looks like, right? So you can have the same mind in you. And basically he describes this king who's willing to become a servant, a Lord of heaven who's willing to come down and pay the penalty for sinners, even go to a cross and die to put other people before him. You know who those other people are? You and me. He says, have that mind. Be like Jesus, who's willing to put other people first, right? Don't have this boastful, arrogant heart that walks around thinking you're going to be top dog and you're going to be the best. Now, listen, I know high school is kind of designed in middle school to, like, figure out who the top dog is. There's all these, like, ways we rank each other and these groups you hang out with and what table you sit at and what friends, you know, like, there's, like, a whole thing. I know it's crazy. I can't even, like, figure it out anymore. But you guys get it because you're there. You're in it. You feel it. You live it every day. For some of you, you're so frustrated with it. You hate the system. You hate the way it's all, like, I don't just all is. And some of you guys are playing it, and you're playing it really, really good. You're jumping from group to group. You're getting up the ladder. You're feeling better about yourself. You're developing this, like, idea of who you are based on what your friends are telling you. And James is like, listen, that's not the mindset. It's not about jumping up ahead of everybody. It's about literally putting yourself after everybody. It's the opposite of that. It's saying, let me put you first. Just like Jesus did, have his mind from Philippians 2. that says, let me serve you rather than lord over you and show you how great I am. It's humility. Because you can't have wisdom, true wisdom, before having humility. And he points right to Jesus and says, follow him. He showed you how to do it. Do it like Jesus. He says this next. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above. That's not it, what he just described. But it's earthly, unspiritual, and he even uses the word here, demonic, when we act like that. It's demonic. You know, nowadays it's all like YOLO, right? Like, you only live once, let's do this, let's experience this, let's get this done. Like, it's all about the moment and the experience right now. When in Colossians, Paul says, Keep your eyes fixed on things above, not on things in the earth. Stop trying to grab for all these dumb things that aren't going to last, things that are going to break and crumble, and start keeping your eyes looking up at Jesus and saying, I want you more than anything else, Jesus. That's how you stay humble. You stop trying to grab for the things around you and make yourself better, and instead, you get on your knees before the king and just stare up at him and say, Lord, I want more of you. But it's hard for us, right? It's hard for, especially for teenagers. And it's not because, that, it's not because you're not smart, because you guys are super smart. 
there are more intelligent teenagers in this room than I will ever be at your age, right? I know you're smart. It's not because of that. And it's not because you can't be wise, because God offers you wisdom. You can be wise too. That, those aren't the reasons. I think it's because you're starting life. You're so fresh in life. You're just about to be free, right? Get out from under your parents' house. Do your thing. Get a car. Start driving. Go to college. You're experiencing all these first-time experiences. And so you're, you're kind of poised in a position where it's so tempting for you. For an old guy like me, it's like, man, I've been there. I've done those things. It's not quite the same for you. You're sitting just kind of on the verge of all of these new things. And so Satan has this awesome strategy, awesome in his terms, right? Not in mine, but he's trying to destroy you and use all these new experiences. He wants you to trust in them. He wants you to love them. He wants you to covet them and reach out for them and try to be like, I need all I can get. I need to experience everything I deserve to experience right now. And when you believe that lie, you're going directly against James' advice on how to be, live a Christian life, not how to be wise. You see, when you believe in Jesus and you have God's word in front of you, you don't have to learn from your own mistakes. You can learn from what the word of God says. You can learn from the mistakes of older believers who have walked through it and already made that mistake and felt that pain, and you can avoid those things. Instead of just being like, man, I got to try it all myself. I got to experience it for me. The most frustrating thing in the world for an adult, I'm going to let you in on a secret, is trying to convince you not to hurt yourselves. <laughs> like, convince a teenager not to do something that they really want to do that you know is going to hurt them. You know it's going to end up bad. You've been there. You've done it. All your friends have done it. All your friends' friends have done it. Right? We know we've all been hurt, and we're trying to tell a teenager, hey, listen, this is going to hurt. Don't do it. Avoid this. And it's almost like, oh, uh, no, like, like, like there's no, I just don't get it. It blows my mind. But I know why. Because I did it too. I was sitting on a new experience. I just couldn't listen to my mom and dad when they told me and my older brothers and sisters when they told me and I did that thing. But listen, you can do better. And it's not because you guys are just like smarter, a better generation. It's because Jesus offers it to you. You have God's word sitting right in front of you. You're sitting in a place that loves you, can offer advice to you, help you avoid those heartbreaking moments. And so really the only thing is the choice is it's just in your hands. You get to choose. Am I going to read what God's word says and take the advice and try to be wise and do the right thing? Or am I going to just, just choose different? I don't know about you, but when I walk through the grocery store and I'm checking out, right? I'm at the cashier. I look to my left, and there is this amazing rack. You know the rack I'm talking about? You know the rack, right? The Reese's king-size peanut butter cups are sitting right there. And, like, all this stuff, all this junk that I don't need and shouldn't have, nothing on this rack is, like, important, essential things that I may have forgotten while I was shopping. And they're like, let me help you out, sir. No, that's not it. They're like, hey, how can I get this dude to buy a bunch of junk before he leaves? And I'm like, oh, look at that rack. You know, like, the second I get up there, I'm, like, grabbing things off that dumb thing that I don't need. It's impulsive buying, right? I just have this impulse and I got to buy it. So much of life is designed that way. That's Satan's strategy. When James says it's demonic, it might seem crazy to you like, whoa, that's a little intense, but it's not at all. That's exactly his strategy. It's demonic because Satan uses that strategy. So he takes your first time experiences and he says, oh, don't you want that? 
You don't want to be left out. You only live once. Try that thing. Do that thing. Feel what that feels like. And it's that stupid rack that's right there by the checkout. You're so close to the finish line of doing the right thing and following Jesus, and there's that rack of garbage choices that's demonic, and Satan wants you to choose that instead of truth. It's a bold strategy because it works so much. What will you choose? You're going to stop and linger and look down that thing and like be like, oh, man, that looks real good. Are you going to keep your eyes fixed on things above like Paul said? Say, Jesus, I know it's here and I know it's calling my name right now, but I'm keeping my eyes on you. That's your choice. Wisdom says you keep your eyes on Jesus. Wisdom says your heart is humble enough to say, God, I need you. I'm not strong enough to say no to this. I need you right now. Then he says this next. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. That jealousy we talked about, it does nothing good. It just ends up in evil. <laughs> wisdom tells us that. Wisdom tells us to avoid that. But listen what he says next. He says, but the wisdom from above, and then he lists it. Remember I said we'd be able to walk out and kind of describe what this thing looks like. That's my hope for us. He says, first, it's pure. No other motives. Wisdom isn't that person that walks in and like they're just, they they always have a second motive, right? They have something else going on. They do one thing or say something so that they can get something out of it, right? There's always a second intention that they have. But wisdom that's pure, man, it is rooted in the fear of the Lord. We know that because Proverbs 9, 10, it says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. If it's pure, it's just like Jesus. Like you have this desire to be like Christ. Your motives are to be like Christ, to fear the Lord, not to get something else out of it. Then it says, peaceable. Like you're a person who loves peace. Wisdom makes peace. He, he, he goes into arguments and fights and he brings peace along with him. Like he doesn't desire to always win the debate. You ever been in one of those? You sit at that lunch table I'm talking about, you know, that's always just like, nah, 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 like back and forth. Or you know that, that those friends who seem like an old married couple because all they do is just bicker and argue. It's just like always this trying to up someone else. I got to win the debate. I got to be right. I got to be smarter, you know. I got to have the last word here. That's not wisdom. That's, just, that's, that's the opposite of wisdom. Wisdom seeks peace, and it's gentle. You ever been corrected by someone in a way that wasn't gentle? Like, you don't want to listen to a person like that, right? That jerk who comes in the room who tries to, like, correct you and does it in such a mean way or, like, just a brash way. Because supposedly they're helping you, but they do it in such a mean way. Like, you don't want their advice, right? Nobody wants to listen to someone like that. Wisdom comes along, and he does it with gentleness. And says, listen, I think I might be able to help you there. Would you like some help? And there's this, like, love, there's this kindness that's involved in correction. There's not this, like, brash, like, mean, like, it's gentle. That's what wisdom does. We've lost a lot of that, right? Social media, man, it is a culprit. It has stolen our gentleness. It causes us to want to just be able to say whatever we want to say as meanly, right, as we feel like we can say it because we can hide behind a screen. That's not wisdom. Wisdom speaks with love. James says that wisdom is gentle. 
Next, he says that wisdom is open to reason. Doesn't always have to be the know-it-all in the room. Doesn't always have to be right, right? But wisdom, someone who's wise is open to hearing reason. Like other people's perspectives and, and conversation, like here, tell me, like I don't necessarily agree with you, but I'm open to hear. Let's have a conversation about this. That's wisdom. I don't know everything. Maybe you'll teach me something. Let's talk about it. You see the difference? I know sometimes in like academic worlds, when you go to school, it's probably like this battle to be the smartest and know more. But sometimes wisdom says like, I know more not by like showing everybody I know more, not by debating all the time, but by listening, by taking it in, by hearing other perspectives. Then it says this, full of mercy. We have lost this one, y'all. Mercy? But the funny thing is, mercy is the very thing we've been shown because that's what Jesus did on the cross. This forgiveness, this patience, this grace and mercy that Jesus shown us, we have a perfect example to look through because he did it for us. We can just look for what he did to us and say, that's how I want to treat other people. I want to show other people that mercy when they mess up or they hurt me or they've been harsh to me. I want to respond with mercy and forgiveness and patience and love. You know, Someone who can respond this way, full of mercy, can look around the room and see that everybody else has a story too. Other people are also going through hard stuff. Other people came with a broken heart that day. Other people came so frustrated because you have no idea what they went through with the rest of their day. I'm not saying it's right for them to act that way, but we can be full of mercy when they do. We can be patient with them when they do. We can respond in love when they respond incorrectly to us, right? That's what wisdom does. It doesn't have to get revenge. It can actually show mercy instead. That's freeing to know. It's not always, come on, let's fight. It's like, man, I know you had a hard day. Can I pray for you? Can we just calm this down for a second? Like, let's just talk. That looks like Jesus to me. It says in good fruits. Your wisdom is constantly benefiting other people. If you're a person who's wise, the people around you are going to notice because it's going to benefit. Your friends are going to start saying like, I love being around them. They might not even know why. They can't even put their finger on it, but they just know they like to be with you. You know why? Because when you're around and wisdom's pouring out of you, you're humble and loving and like serving people. That's an awesome place to be. It produces fruit in you. And that fruit, guess what? Other people benefit from your fruit. Because they see a patient person and a kind person and a gentle person and a person who seeks peace. And they love being around that because they're benefiting it from it. That's fruit that's showing up in you if you're wise. Then it says impartial. You see, wisdom doesn't play favorites. It doesn't look at the person in the room that came in and be like, oh, man, I'm going to judge you immediately. You know, like. It doesn't look down on others because of their situation in life. It doesn't have biases. It just loves people. There's an equality of love that, they, that wisdom shows to others because they see the image of God and all the people walking around them. They see how much God loves them and says, you're worth something special, and that's how I'm going to treat you. Next, he says, and sincere. One of the most important things to me, I think, in this is that it's sincere. It's not faked. It doesn't have false motives or just do something to, to get their peace out of it, right? Like, wisdom is sincere. It comes from the heart. 
That humility in you is sincere. It's not fake so people pat you on the back. It is real. Nobody wants to hang out with a fake. Nobody wants to be around the hypocrite. Wisdom allows you to do this from a heart that's truly humble. A heart that really does benefit others. It's sincere. And he closes, this is the last thing he says, and a harvest of righteousness, like a whole bunch of righteousness, (laughs) is sown in peace by those who make peace. He repeats this really important part. He's already said this once. But he places an emphasis on how much peace comes out of a wise person who's full of humility. When you approach even your worst enemy, think about that. Don't hate on people right now, but in your head, just who would you consider kind of like your arch enemy? You know, like someone who you just don't get along with or who really doesn't like you or it's just hard for you. Picture that person. You feel like every time you're around them, it sparks a little fight or something happens, you know? Imagine you were able to walk up to that person. And because you were full of wisdom and humility, it was able to bring peace to that relationship. That's what it does. And it does it because it's the mindset of Jesus. It's the very heart that Jesus loved you with. And so I want to encourage you tonight. I don't know what you think your superlative would be, right? Best smile, best hair, whatever. I would pray that your superlative, that each one of our superlative would be that we are wise. That we truly understand what God wants. Because we have our eyes on Jesus. And we're not going to stop looking at him. Even though we got a long way to grow, right? we got a long way to mature. We're going to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus Christ and say, God, keep growing me, keep teaching me, keep making me selfless, take out the arrogance and the pride and the selfishness that keep on creeping in my heart all the time, right? Lord, protect me from that. Take that away from me. It caused me to look to you. Would you guys close your eyes and bow your heads for just a second? As the band comes back up to lead us in a few more songs of worship, I just want you to stop for a second and just ask yourself and ask Jesus, like, what would my superlative be? Maybe ask yourself, like, could I even describe wisdom? Do I know what that is? Is it something I want? And as we sing this next song, here's what I'm asking the Lord for you. I'm asking if he would just convict your heart tonight. If the Holy Spirit would speak right now as we sing this next song and just say, hey, listen, you are full of pride tonight. And nobody's here to shame you. Nobody's here to point their finger and laugh at you for it. But maybe with an open heart and some wisdom to say, God, grow me. Maybe tonight you confess to Jesus that you got some pride in there that needs to be dealt with. You got some arrogance that God needs to take away. Maybe our first step is we say, God, will you make us humble? Will you pray that to him as we sing this next song?